This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hello, and welcome to the Plugged In Podcast, where we talk with founders and CEOs in order to bring you the real stories of failures and triumphs, highs and lows they've experienced on their journey towards success. We will go in-depth with our guests to give you insights into how they have taken an idea from concept to realization, making those first key hires to building the right team, scaling revenues, how they overcame obstacles, and much more as we learn how they achieve success. This is the podcast that you want to subscribe to if you want to learn how to succeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Plugged In. I am Ellie Mandelbaum, an industry veteran who decided to do more than just listen to podcasts, but actually start one in which I interview people much smarter than me. In this episode, we are speaking with Ayal Guru, co-founder and CEO of Zebra Medical Vision, founded in 2014. Zebra is an artificial intelligence that reads medical scans like CTs, CT scans. Ayal is, is an angel investor and was a VC with Patengo, formerly co-founder of PickScout, PickApp, The Gifts Project. Uh, Ayal is a faculty member of IDC's entrepreneurship program as well, and a graduate of Wharton Business School um, of the University of Pennsylvania. Ayal, welcome to the show, and I hope I covered everything. I know there's a lot in there. Uh, if not, why don't you fill in the blanks on your background? Oh, thanks for having me. Um, My pleasure. Um, so with that, you know, let's jump right in, in terms of how did you get started in your career? Career-wise, it was always around uh, entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, this is uh, something we saw back at home, um, both on um, our, our mother's side and dad's side, uh, so we didn't see any other thing. And so it was, uh, I guess, kind of a, a linear thinking type of thing so, to start businesses. Got it. So what was your first job? Um, and with that, what did you learn from there that stayed with you today? Uh, my first job was to clean windows in a gas station many years ago. Uh, it's actually, this job came along in a, in a strange way. I, um, I was doing a, a, a stock market trading with my bar mitzvah money. And I was earning a lot of money for a kid. So I asked my mom, I, I told my mom that it seems uh, not uh, not fair or not right that I'm not working. So I asked her to arrange for me for a, a real job. <laughs> um, and then uh, she asked uh, some of the suppliers in her uh, pharmacy store and uh, one thing led to the other and every 6 a.m. in the morning I was cleaning uh, windows in a, in a gas station. Um, and for, for a month uh, everything was very, very... And nice and easy. The work was hard, and every once in a while I would get one shekel as a tip. <laughs> and I didn't. And uh, during uh, lunchtime, I would go to the public f- uh, phone booth and call to to the bank to buy and sell stocks. So I didn't feel like it's a it's a it's a big issue. At the end of the month, uh, I saw this nice girl that came from a nearby gas station, and she has a, a full pop. Uh, wallet. Yeah. Ask her what is this wallet, and uh, she told me this is my daily, my daily quota. I did, I did all my, all those uh, shackles uh, from cleaning windows, and I said, "What? I'm doing it for a month." <laughs> and apparently, I was in the wrong gas station. I was in a gas station that was 
working only with businesses and they were prepaying for everything. So, <laughs> so uh, many lessons were learned. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. I guess finding the right uh, spot is, is one of them. Yeah. So um, what is something that you failed at early on um, that bothered you uh, and how did you overcome it? In, In business, yeah, I mean, you know, or, you know, after – your, your time at the gas station, uh, it could be, you know, when you were at, you know, Pig Scout, uh, one of the companies you're with. But, um, you know, it's something I try and I, I, I generally ask is, you know, everybody, you know, has adversity early on. So my, my first um, more real business was right after uh, the military period. We started a company that was uh, doing online recruiting for sport players using a video. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea was that uh, uh, scouts all over the world are flying business uh, trips to come back home with uh, video cassettes, and, uh, and the internet should disrupt this. Um, the only issue was that uh, there was no bandwidth at the time, so I had this idea, and we had, there was only one hotel in London that had uh, bandwidth, so we can showcase that internet can be speedy enough to show videos, um, and uh, this company went under. So that was my uh, my first uh, uh, business attempt uh, with a real with a real business, and uh, um, we had uh, an investor that pulled off and didn't pay the second tranche of the investment because the first bubble burst, mm-hmm. and so there was a real adversity there, and uh, I had to stay. 11, 12 p.m. in the evening to sell equipment uh, and to all those like equipment sharks and uh, so I can recover some of mm-hmm. the money we, we owe to the team members and uh, employees took their laptops and left. Like I, I was a student back then, so it was pretty shocking. Um, like a few months later, they made me the first uh, TA in uh, the IDC. Mm-hmm. University for uh, corporate law that wasn't studying law because I, I gained so much experience in those uh, <laughs> harsh uh, six months about uh, going under with a company, mm-hmm. and debt owners, investors. It was uh, it was quite of an intense first experience. <laughs> I, I can imagine. So you know, let's talk. So after that time, what was the name of that company? Back, you know that. The company name was thescouter.com. Okay, so after the scouter.com, but this is, again, just to give you reference, you know, for my listeners, for my reference, we're talking about 2000, 2001, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's when the <laughs> the bubble burst, um, the first bubble. Um, so after that, though, you went on to do a, a, a number of different successful startups from Pick Scout, Pick App, and Gifts Project. Um, Pick, Pick Scout was in the imaging space? Yeah, Um very different type of imaging than what we were doing with here in Zebra, but uh, it was about stock photography. All those beautiful images you see in brochures and uh, billboards. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there is a whole industry around them, licensing them, selling them, managing the rights of those images. And uh, we were the guardian of the copyrights of those images. So all those uh, photo banks handled us their content so we can monitor online and in print media who is using or misusing. Content. And, and, and that was acquired by Getty Images, right? Yes. And then PickApp uh, was acquired by Wybrand, which is now, I think, Brightcom, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, just tell us a little bit about PickApp and then Gifts Project as well. Yeah, PickApp uh, was a spin-off we did from PickApp. Um, at the Pixel days, we were monitoring the usage of uh, stock photography. And then we suddenly saw a burst in usage of stock photos 
online in a new type of sites that didn't exist before, which was uh, the what's called the blogosphere or the blogs. It was very new then, and uh, those blogs were not able to fund a license for uh, expensive photos. And so we decided to build an ad, ad network around this opportunity and license to them the content for free in exchange to ad units. So we built uh, an ad network around it. And uh, later on, it was acquired by Wirebrand Digital that uh, was a big uh, media company back then. Got it. And then the Gives Project also uh, was, was more in the e-commerce space. Yeah. Right. And that was acquired by eBay. So had you start these? I mean, did they come to you? Did you have a co-founder that brought you into it? You know, what made you, you know, because again, you definitely had the entrepreneurial bug, like you're saying, you know, early on, your mom and dad in the house, you, you saw them build. So, you know, but three companies, three exits, which, you know, is pretty, you know, astonishing. And again, a relatively young time in the internet world. So the the ideas are always somewhat connected to something else. So with the GIFs project, uh, ideation came actually from my wife, Maya, who is also an entrepreneur. Um, at the time we were living in San Francisco and she was always obsessed around buying our friends bigger, better gifts and than the typical gift. So she would do the extra legwork to collect money uh, from all the friends so we can buy a bigger gift to the friends or something more thoughtful. And so I just uh, suggested let's make a business out of it because there is a new thing that is called the Facebook API, there is the Amazon API. And a new PayPal wallet API. Maybe we can connect all those things and enable all the friends to chip in. Mm-hmm. Back then, there was no such a thing. Now it sounds very obvious. <laughs> uh, you, have, you have all the digital wallets. People are chipping in for many things. But back then, there was no ability for friends to or colleagues in a company to chip in and to buy something together. So that was the first uh, social commerce platform. Right, so, so with those, right? So one of the questions I, I know people always have is. So how does the exit come about, right? So are you are you looking to exit at the time? Does someone come to you? Like how does how do the stars align? Um, so I don't have uh, statistic uh, uh, data, uh, but uh, the companies that uh, we were involved in that uh, had the uh, M&As. Uh, uh, dealing um, so Pixcot was a uh, what's called vertical integration or uh, our largest customer and that was also paying us a lot of money and every month decided it will be worthwhile for them to buy us um, and also they wanted to strategically um, be the gatekeeper and the controller of the copyright for all their competitors as well mm. so that this is why get images acquired Pixcot. Um, and at the time, uh, my my colleague uh, Ophir Gutelson, um was the CEO of the company. I was the active chairman, and then I I, I was managing Pickup at the time. Um, and then Pickup was acquired by Wirebrand because of uh, synergies in the business. And uh, um, and the gifts project was, I think, a different type of uh, acquisition. It was more around innovation and the team, the product was very new and um, eBay uh, were very excited by the fact that uh, they challenged the company a year before to go live together with eBay during uh, holiday seasons um, and uh, the company made it on time at budget uh, it took a lot of toll 
on the team yeah. uh, many 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 nights and uh, the team uh, was led by my young brother Ron uh, Gura and uh, Matan and Erez and my wife Maya is also co-founder <laughs> there because it's, it's her idea yeah. so. Um, so they worked very hard and they executed uh, and, and eBay were uh, happily surprised and they decided they want this team to be part of eBay alright so I mean, that's pretty cool and so after this right so and this is where we're going to get to Zebra but so you finished all that and then you said okay it's not enough, right? So you went to the VC world, and then you did a lot of angel investing at the time. So when did you realize you wanted to start another company, right? So when did the concept for Zebra come into your mind and say, okay, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not satisfied. I need to do more. So actually, there, there wasn't such a gap between the two. Um, um, after the exits, it took some time off and made the, the angel investments, but... Uh, I already started to work on the zebra idea, um, but back then it was uh, uh, it felt as a very far fetched thing. Uh, I reached to hospital and I asked them, uh, "Hey, I'm the founder of Pixout. I want to do the same thing like Pixout, but with your images. Mm-hmm. Please give me all your imaging data. I want to start this company." And uh, obviously, I got many no's. Uh, just, 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 just a frame of reference again. AI, this is back, what, 2014, 2015? AI was not no, nearly... that was back in 11. Exactly. So AI is not even, back then, was more of a thought than no, it not, is... Not even. <laughs> yeah, machine learning, back then it was um, in academia, it was called machine learning, mm. and it was only in the academia. Um, I didn't know anything about it. At the Pixel days, we were using uh, traditional image processing mm-hmm. algorithms. Um, so when we when we started Zebra, it was all around this linear thinking of hey, we need to get this uh, reference database like we had in Pixcout, and something will come out of it. And we didn't know about machine learning or deep learning or AI or mm-hmm. the availability, the coming availability of computing power and GPU that took place in the last few years. Got it. And, and so, what what made you push for the? Concept like was there something personal that happened to you that you wanted to say? Okay, you know, like like before, like with Gifts Project was more of a you know an idea that came from your wife. So it's a lot of a lot of companies start from that concept, right? From something that you're seeing yourself as an issue and you're able to build on top of it. Yeah, so Zebra is similar in that sense. Um, um, I had a personal issue in that in that sense. It was a scuba diving incident. When I was still the CEO of uh, the image processing company, PixScout, um, and I was hospitalized in Mexico, and they couldn't diagnose my X-ray scans. Um, and we had to wait a few days until someone uh, qualified can come and diagnose them. So it was very frustrating, both clinically and uh, both intellectually. Um, how come I own a, a company that compares billions of photos to each other, and I can't send my X-ray scans to be compared by a machine? against the database of already diagnosed photos. That was the very generic Gen- thought. Got it. Um, and uh, so once I had uh, the time and availability, I said, okay, I need to do it. And since it took so much time to get the access to the data, in this meantime, I was asked by Rami Kalish and Jaime Perez to come and help at Pitango. And it was an amazing period uh, both uh, to get exposure to the other side of the table, mm-hmm. one of the more uh, experienced uh, teams around, and also the ability to deploy a massive amount of capital uh, that I didn't see before being deployed in per deal. <laughs> so we, 
we ended up doing uh, mutual deals, uh, me and Pitango, with uh, companies that uh, I brought to the table, like um, uh, Apps Flyer, that became a unicorn, mm-hmm. Tab- Tabula was a deal. That, uh, Another unicorn. Um, and the Formlabs, which is a 3D printing unicorn, um, and other exciting companies like uh, Medisafe and Ubimo. So uh, this was a very fun period. And at the time, we also initiated something that I felt very passionate about, which was the Alba Water Fund. It was a fund mm-hmm. that was designated to invest only in uh, minorities, entrepreneurs, uh, mainly the Arabic sectors. So we created, uh, together with brilliant Arabic entrepreneurs that are Israeli citizens, uh, companies that became things like the world-leading healthcare portal for the Arabic world or the uh, world-leading travel portal of the Arabic world. And, and many interesting companies. Got it. So, you know, let's get more to Zebra now, right? So, you know, you started, you know, you came up with the idea. You know, how did you get it off the ground and how was the first fundraising, right? The first round you had to raise. Challenging where people like looking at you is like, you know, you're tackling an industry that is just so stuck in its ways. It's antiquated. They don't like to change. You know, how are you going to get the personal medical information? You know, all these questions. So, you know, were they laughing at you or like you were saying, okay, we know Ayal, you know, we know his success. When is, you know, fund him and, and see where it goes. So I, so I would, I definitely expected uh, the latter. Um, and it was a, a big uh, humbling experience for me because uh, even though I uh, was a VC and I was very connected to the entire ecosystem here, and it wasn't around medical device or life science, uh, which is uh, typically dealt by other partners or other VCs. Um, and when I came to them with this uh, idea, um, it sounded uh, something very strange. Um, because back then there was no such a thing as digital health. Now it's a big buzzword mm-hmm. and there are billions of dollars investments in digital health. But back then, that was probably the first digital health idea that they that ever came to their table um, so the Israeli ecosystem back then around uh, health investment was focused on traditional life science and medical device so if you want to raise money you need to show you have FDA approval or that you have a reimbursement strategy and we had nothing of, none of that um, so um, it was very challenging to do all those meetings here we ended up raising money from one of the very few people that back then uh, believed in digital health, which was Vinod Kosla out of Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have any direct relationship to him at the time, um, but uh, I saw him speaking in uh, various uh, events around uh, his belief that algorithms will replace most of what doctors are doing and will help doctors. Um and uh, I knew that he, he is probably one of the few people that get what they want to do. So once I got uh, to meet him, it was a very short uh, decision-making and turnaround. And he also uh, got us connected to uh, Mark Benayoff uh, as well. And um, they laid, led our way around. Uh, okay. So, you know, innovation, like I said before, innovation medtech isn't hard. So what was the biggest challenge you faced early on? And the biggest challenge was that the first three years prior to the officials starting the after companies to get the data. Okay. So, so, uh, three years of hurdles and uh, 
legal hurdles, uh, security hurdles, uh, hospital dealing hurdles. So, uh, how many? Just to, again, reference-wise, how many? How many Im- images? How much did, did you collect? And how many over? And how many hospitals or doctors or patients gave you access to it? So we have access uh, to um, what was then and maybe still now the largest. Uh, uh, data set that was ever enabled for imaging uh, research. Um, uh, it's around uh, 8 or 9 million people uh, or patient cohorts that have uh, more than 10 years longitudinal data. Um, we have few strategic uh, data partners like uh, Intramountain Healthcare uh, in the US and uh, they are one of the Largest, also mostly known for their efficiency and patient care uh, organizations. They were the lighthouse for the Obama uh, care uh, thought around integrated care providers. Um, and in Israel, we have uh, the Klalit HMO, which is the, the largest uh, integrated care provider. Uh, it's a go- owned by the government and, uh, and it's exists for over 100 years. It's one of the oldest. Uh, providers in that sense, uh, and they are, in terms of size of database, they are second or third, uh, comparing to Kaiser Permanente, they are very big. So, I mean, how was it getting to them? I mean, you know, what was the, how long did it take you to get the first meeting, in a sense? Um, I can't it was, uh, you need to get to the right people and you need to, to make a lot of convincing and then uh, people are being moved or shifted in those organizations so you need to renew the connections. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, once you achieve uh, some progress and someone needs to refer you to legal department or security department and they don't want to deal with those issues like, at all. So they will push back and then you need to overcome that and keep doing it again and again and again. Eventually, um, you have critical mass of people that are convinced that this is the right thing to do for the organization and uh, the deal is signed. And so when, you know, your first customer, what, I mean, I should say, or your first success in a sense, when you're starting to scan images and you're realizing, you know, it's working, you know, what was, you know, when did you realize that it was, you know, you're able to really say, okay, we got the images, we're able to see, you know, the, the, the value that we're bringing to people and now, now we're going to really just like, start ramping up our, you know, partnerships, our, um, you know, customers, etc. And so uh, this is this is a very good question. It's very relevant for um, 99% of other businesses. But uh, for us, uh, it was uh, uh, a whole uh, work done in parallel. So the conviction that uh, you can do something with imaging scan that will improve patient life was there from day one. We didn't feel we need to prove it to ourselves or to anyone. And so we just built it. So we, we got all the data, we built all the platforms, and we had to build a lot of uh, massive infrastructure to uh, make sure everything is de-identified, to make sure that uh, everything is searchable. Uh, you need, must remember that uh, doctors are human beings. So if you get a lot of data that was diagnosed by doctors, the data also includes noise and mistakes that doctors make. How do you filter those out? How do you create ground truth? So we had to do a lot of infrastructural work. Um, and only recently, uh, we started to deploy more and more tools that actually touches uh, patient uh, lives. 
And we have uh, numerous cases that uh, we hear on a weekly basis now about uh, patients that were life, that their life were saved because of different algorithms that uh, prevent acute conditions. Mm. So, so just okay. So, people who don't know, um, does a hospital use your technology? Do they send it to you to to scan? So, the the hospitals install our software. It's a purely software Mm -hmm. uh, game. And they install it either on premise or better on on the cloud, um, and then um, we get the server get the identified data. We analyze it, and, and we recognize that there is a the algorithm recognizes that there is a specific finding in the file. Let's say a, a pneumothorax, which is a hole in the lung, mm-hmm. and chest X-rays, or brain bleed in head CT scans, or uh, a vertebral fractures you know, uh, that are happening in your uh, spine uh, and the algorithm alerts to the, the team in the hospital that they need to take uh, an extra look on this file, essentially. And, and how many how many doctors do you have to, or hospitals do you have to date using your technology? I, I, would say, I would say that within the partnership we have, it's around 100 hospitals. And your goal over the next year or two is to triple, quadruple... I know the, 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 there was a recent partnership you announced with a hospital and you fighting TB. Right? Did they come to you? How did that come about? Yeah, so we, we've been uh, trying to work with uh, the Apollo group for a few years now. Um, and uh, we are very happy that we recently announced this uh, very generous grant that was uh, given to us by the India government and the Israel Innovation Authority to fine-tune and launch our uh, AI solutions with Apollo Hospital. They are the largest private uh, uh, healthcare group in India. They have 71 hospitals um, treating around 40 million patients. But uh, the challenges uh, they face uh, and the vision of the founder, the Reddy family, uh, Dr. Reddy and his uh, daughters that are running the show there, is how to uh, extend healthcare services to the 1.1 billion people that are outside of the 40 million people in the Apollo network. Um, and this is where AI can come to play. So if we can uh, uh, make algorithms that detect breast cancer or tuberculosis accessible to uh, hundreds of millions of people, that will be the mutual vision of both. Zebra and Apollo. Got it. And we're going to wind down a little bit. So a few more questions about zebras, right? So how did you start building in terms of the company, right? The first hires. Where did you, again, I mean, I think you have 60 employees today? Or 64 now. And we have a few uh, offices now worldwide in uh, West Coast, U.S., East Coast, U.S., and also in in London. And uh, we, we just started the activity in India. And majority of the team is still based here in Kibbutz Fame in Israel. And when we started the company, as soon as we got access to the data, our uh, co-founder and CTO, Eyal Toledano, uh, left his uh, uh, master's. Uh, uh, I think he actually graduated the master's, but he didn't do the PhD at the MIT Media Lab. And so he came back to Israel to help me ramp this up. And we partnered with the right uh, team members. Uh, our chief uh, medical officer, Eldad al also did Aliyah uh, to join and help us. And this is how we started. Do you have a lot of doctors in, in, 
on staff here, or you do? No, now we do. <laughs> okay. And what, what do you want for your employees? I mean, what, what's the overall objective you, you, you give them when they come, when they join? I think the most important uh, thing uh, for us, I believe it's the same for any company, but for us it's uh, the passion uh, to save people's lives, to touch people's lives. Um, I think that's the most important thing. Um, when you are in startup, it's a roller coaster. There are uh, bad days, good days, bad months, good months. And so if you have a special cause, uh, and meaning to what you're doing, uh, it helps you to uh, keep pushing forward. Uh, is Israeli tech tech uh, ecosystem is still uh, populated with many companies that are obsessed around creating clicks on ads or gambling or gaming or uh, many other things. Um, and we see many uh, mature and experienced engineers and AI experts from those companies approaching us saying, I can't do this thing anymore. If I can use the same brain power, the same hours of the day, uh, and the same AI methods to save a life instead of clicking on ads, I rather all that. Understood. So just the last couple questions. What did you want to be when you were 15 besides a stock trader? Did you have a dream? Like, did you have, like, you want to be a, you know, athlete? Did you want to be, you know, prime minister? Like, what did you have 15 years old? Do you remember what you wanted to be? Uh, I have, uh, when I was five years old, the, the, <laughs> the daycare uh, uh, teacher asked him what you want to be, and everyone was saying cowboys and Indian and doctors. Yeah. And, uh, from some reason, I said I want to be a hotel manager. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's still a dream, but... <laughs> Got it. Okay. And just um, in terms of productivity or, or, you know, is there, you know, something that you suggest to founders to be more productive? Um, productivity wise, um, I think the founders need to have uh, like a, a daily list of things they need to do. Um, they need to read this list before they go to sleep uh, or think about it. Uh, typically, mm-hmm. founders remember it, but it's it's right to it's right also to write it on paper. Um, and there, there are very few things that are pivotal, and, and like there are hundreds and thousands of daily tasks around the team members starting every day. But uh, from a strategic perspective, there are very few things, few uh, relationship building or account closing or fundraising things that you need to do in order to provide the rest of the organization the, the oxygen and the strategic direction. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I truly appreciate learning more about Zebra. And for those who uh, want to you know, listen, make sure you read it plugged in on all the different platforms, the podcast platform. Thank you so much, Al. Love this episode of the Plugged In Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.